Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast. In this episode, we're delving deeper into the investment opportunities and risks of artificial intelligence. There are four main types of artificial intelligence, reactive machines, limited memory, theory of mind, and self-awareness. But for the purposes of this podcast, we'll be discussing the topic as it aligns with the San Lam Artificial Intelligence Fund. And we'll start with manager Chris Ford giving us his definition of artificial intelligence. I'm Ryan Lightfoot Amanoff, and today I'm joined by Chris Fawes, the Elite Rated Manager of the Sanlam Artificial Intelligence Fund. Chris, thank you very much for your time today. It's a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, now, let's start from sort of a broad level. What is artificial intelligence, and why does the world need it? Uh, well, that's the most difficult question you'll ask today. Um, so, artificial intelligence, um, we say, looks to synthesize um, automate and optimize the process of converting information into useful and actionable knowledge. Um, and that's a definition that we've um, used for the last six years. Um, and it's one that builds on the work of a gentleman called Dennis Asabas, who's an extraordinary man who's done brilliant things with AI through his leadership of a company called DeepMind that many of the listeners here will have, will have come across. Um, and it's a slightly different nuanced um, definition of AI, of AI when compared to others. Um, it's not a definition of AI that looks to define AI in terms of um, human intelligence, because, of course, there are many different types of intelligence, and we think it's important to reflect um, reflect that. There are many um, solutions that are being delivered into the world today, which, um, whilst not necessarily capable of a human level of cognition, um, are still um, providing you know great uh, insights and, and practical um, uh, help to those who are in, uh, using um, uh, artificial intelligence systems that don't necessarily um, approximate human levels of of intelligence. But what we also like about our, uh, our definition is it's an intensely practical definition of AI. You know what's really what really matters is this ability to take that data, take that information, and and, and turn it into something that's useful and actionable. And that's what really is, of course, attractive to um, corporate. Um, buyers and consumers at the moment who are able to engage with their artificial intelligence systems uh, to deliver something that is beneficial to them um, in ways that they never previously could. And in the fund itself, you don't invest just in the sort of the pure artificial AI companies themselves, but also those embracing AI in their existing businesses. Can you just maybe explain why and bring that to color with them sort of a few examples? Yeah, sure. Um, so there are many companies that are are developing artificially intelligent uh, systems, developing the tools, if you like, and selling them to third, to third parties. But um, even more, there are companies that are utilizing artificial intelligent systems to revolutionize their own business processes internally and really kind of drive and deliver change within those organizations. And really, that's what we're looking to invest behind. But there are also those companies that are looking to do both of those things. And an example of that would be a United Healthcare, for example, in the United States, which um, very early understood the benefits that artificial intelligence systems could deliver into its business. Um, and whilst using some of the peg solutions, also invested very heavily in their own data science capabilities to deliver what they regard to be a significant competitive advantage relative to their relative to their peers. So it's important for companies like that, for companies like you know, John Deere in the machinery space, for example, to um, invest in their own solutions because they recognize it it very significantly enhances their competitive moat around their businesses. For other companies that maybe don't necessarily have as deep pockets or the innate capabilities from a skills perspective inside the, the, their, their organizations, the opportunity to really invest in their own AI is going to be somewhat limited. But 
that doesn't mean that they can't engage with the process. And so for those companies, we find uh, examples that are buying artificial intelligence systems off the shelf, if you like, and doing a bit of configuration um, and still managing to deliver very significant benefits to their, to, to, to their organizations. And so it's important to us to focus, yes, on the, on the presence of, of, of AI, but it's as, as important for us to understand how the AI is being delivered um, and the benefits that it's delivering to a, to, a, to a business model, because of course, what we're ultimately concerned about is the extent to which there is a significant cash generative in- impact as a result of the better presence of an artificial intelligence system within a business. And when you launched the fund in 2016, um, you had about sort of 10% of your investment mm-hmm. universe in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, you recently said this has grown to sort of nearly 50%, so nearly half of your investment universe. Um, what's been going on? What's the reason behind this area's been growing so significantly. Um, I imagine it's causing you a few sort of early mornings as well. Um, so we have um, committed you know, quite a lot of incremental resource to the Asia Pacific region to reflect that change in the shape of our um, opportunity um, set. And what we're seeing in Asia is an extraordinary um, burgeoning of opportunity from an artificially intelligent perspective. Um, and that, that AI uh, is bringing with it disruption at a rate that we are we simply haven't seen previously in in the western hemisphere um the um the the rate of uh industrial disruption that we're seeing in the greater china space but even more broadly across asia is is truly extraordinary and it makes even what what goes on on the west coast of the united states seem positively tame by by, by comparison i think it is poorly understood by 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 investors, and we have some frameworks that help us to understand that that, that rate of change and, and to model it from a, from a business perspective. But um, you know, we're seeing companies appear in timeframes and scale to significant size in timeframes that simply would uh, would be inconceivable in the, in the in the Western universe. And it's partly a reflection of. Um, of, uh, of a younger workforce that is typically more digitally native in the Asian Pacific region than it is in the Western world. Um, a, uh, it's a reflection of a corporate world, which in some cases is less aged. Um, so you have less baggage um, uh, to bring with it. And of course, you know, stepping aside from AI specifically, you know, AI, AI brings with it the requirements to embrace change and embracing change is something which is very difficult for many corporations to, 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 to undertake. And, um, you know, the more change minded an organization is, the more likely they are to successfully embed within their business processes, artificial intelligence systems. And so if we can find those companies which have less of that cultural baggage, then it's easier for them to engage with these systems. And we are finding more of those companies in, in, in Asia. But I think just culture more broadly is, 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 you know, is, is, redder in tooth and claw in, in, in parts of the Asian market than it is in um, in, in the Western world. Um, you know, in Silicon Valley, there is a kind of innate respect for um, innovation and a sense by which um, uh, the innovator's best interests should be respected and protected. And to some extent, um, those things are less prevalent. Those attitudes are less prevalent in Asia for good and for ill. Um, you know, we are we're aware in the in the Western world of, of the uh, kind of pillaging of intellectual property, which is thought to be rife in the in the Asian uh, world, particularly in the Greater China space. Um, and you know, that may or may not be may or may not be true, but it is certainly the case that um, the fast followers follow more rapidly 
in the Asian context than they do um, in the um, in the Western Hemisphere, and that brings with it a requirement on the part of the innovators to move ahead themselves that much more rapidly. So we just see the whole edifice moving much more quickly to the extent that you're right to highlight our investable universe having grown significantly, but we um, have also um, seen you know right the way across the the, the economy significantly higher levels of uh, penetration of artificial intelligence systems into corporate entities in the Asia Pacific region than we have in the rest of the world. And are there any signs of this happening um, or starting to change closer to home? Any sort of green shoots? Um, we can't make our population any younger, so that's one of the advantages gone. But are we taking sort of any of their cues from the culture change? I know in the UK we've seen um, some commentary on the political side about getting more tech companies onto the market, supporting IPOs in that way. Is this going to change the outlook for the West at all? I think well. I think AI changes the outlook for everybody. Frankly, I, I think it, and to think differently, I think is to have one's head in the sand. And that's not to say that you should necessarily agree with my perspective entirely. But it is to suggest that not to have a view on AI is really, I think, unacceptable. Now, it's you know, AI has come flying out of Pandora's box, the lid having been lifted over the course of the last ten years, and um, and and it isn't going back in back 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 inside. Um, the UK, it, you know, has a wonderful opportunity in AI. It is in many ways a market leader in AI from an intellectual property perspective. The R and D efforts in the UK are second to none. The university um, uh, output from, from the perspective of AI engineering talent is extraordinarily high here in the UK and Cambridge in particular. Um, is a real global centre for AI innovation, with many many um, companies um, having you know uh, global AI innovation centres based in the Cambridge region, and also, of course, in London, with DeepMind being uh, the, the behemoth that um, is one of the two twin pillars of, of Google's AI. So there are signs of things going on close to home. Um, the UK market has been a disgrace, really, in respect of its willingness to fund um, AI companies and tech more broadly for at least two or three decades now. Um, and companies um, in the growthy end of the market and in the tech end of the market have very rarely, if ever, um, enjoyed the kind of um, uh, support in the UK that they would get in North America and, and elsewhere, and I think it's um, you know from a market perspective, it's difficult for me to recommend that a new company look to list in London when the opportunity to list in, in, in New York would be available to them. And you see a company like uh, Endeavour, for example, which is a UK IT services company, which has been incredibly successful at what it's delivered over the course of the last five years or so. Um, and, and has had its had that success reflected in its multiple for most of that that period, you know. And, and you look at the success that that company has had in uh, the reception that its, its its stock has received in North America, and compare it to, you know, companies like Blue Prism, like um, you know, even Ocado here in the UK. And it's been much much uh, more difficult for those companies to really um, be be as successful as they might have been had they been listed elsewhere. So I think you know we we in the city need to look to ourselves. Um, really, in respect of our willingness to fund innovation and find ways to um, uh, to invest in those those companies in a market which is still incredibly focused on jam today uh, and the requirement to provide yields to our um, our pension funds. And you alluded to earlier in that question that you think we're only in sort of the foothills of the AI adoption story. Um, how do you see it developing over time? How far can it go? That's a very difficult question to answer because um, it's uh, it, it's got an awful long way to travel, and I think you know for, it's always been a bit of a mugs game trying to identify an endpoint for human innovation because there's always something that you know we'll, we'll, a creative soul somewhere will 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 um, dream up to uh, take technology to the next level. Um, look, we are we are incredibly early 
in the um, journey into the artificially intelligent world. And something that we found engaging with AI, we, we use an artificially intelligent system to help define our investable universe um, in our investment process. Something we found, which many other people have found, is as you tiptoe into the world of, an artificially, of artificially intelligent systems, it, the system might address the particular need that you've identified within your business process. Um, but as it addresses that, it then opens up myriad other opportunities for inquiry and engagement with the with the field um, uh, subsequently. And I think that certainly our, um, the gating factor for our engagement with AI in our business processes is really you know, our own um, uh, imagination and creativity in respect of how we think that AI might be able to um, help us to do things better and more efficiently in the in the future. When I look around the economy at the moment, I see so many opportunities for AI, many of which are not yet addressed. You know, we, we, we are uh, constantly told that, um, uh, that um, uh, autonomous driving, for example, is something which is not going to happen for the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years, depending on who you, who you listen to. You know, we happen to think that it will happen a little bit um, earlier than, than I think most people think. But to the extent that it is all really remarkably long-dated, all of that innovation is still yet to come in that part of the economy, which is very clearly identified as something not uh, not 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 a, not a feature that you know it's debatable whether or not it's going to happen. It's just a question of um, of when, not if. Um, and so we're talking about timeframes. Um, and there are many many other opportunities. And I think to your point about um, the aging population, you know, the, the fact of an aging population is is. A very powerful backdrop for the um, for the engagement with artificial intelligence systems. We're seeing in Japan already you know, a country which is beset with even more uh, demographic headwinds than we face um, in the UK. We're finding that uh, the opportunity to develop artificial intelligence systems to address shortfalls in the labour market is very very obvious, and to then provide services that simply would not be provided. Um, if human capital were to be were to be relied upon, so for those of us who are concerned about um, wage inflation, concerned about labour shortages, concerned about you know long run inflation on the back of that, um, the uh, opportunities that are provided by artificially intelligent systems to um, uh, provide some solutions to those problems are readily apparent. And sort of beyond the demographics thing, has the adoption of AI been accelerated by the pandemic at all? Um, I think it has. Um, you know, we've we've certainly thinking about you know digital corporate digitalization more broadly. You know, it's it's widely understood that the pandemic certainly um, brought forward quite a lot of that activity. And you know, we heard from uh, luminaries such as the CEO of Microsoft, you know, quite early in the pandemic, actually, that he thought that you know the first um, uh, um, couple of quarters of the pandemic we'd seen two years worth of digital innovation brought forward. Into that into that time period, so we've seen a, a race to adopt these um, these platforms, and I think as a result of companies have being forced to um, undertake their um, their business differently, um, some of the sacred cows, some of the kind of laziness, if you like, and, and unwillingness to engage with change was um, was removed of necessity, and I think that that's been a very powerful thing, and I, I'm not sure. You know, in the same way that it's often said that we're not going to go back to shopping in the same way that we did before the pandemic, you know, the, the, the transition to e-commerce as a consumer is 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 here to stay. Um, I think in terms of corporate behaviour, um, corporates have had to think differently about how they do their business, and they've had to expect 
different things with themselves with regard to delivering change and the timeframes within which that change needs to be delivered. And I think having seen what they're capable of, um, my hope would be that the corporate world would expect more of itself as we go through the next five, 10 years, um, as we, in respect of, uh, of engaging with artificial intelligence systems over that period. And that's certainly what we're seeing from the companies in which we invest today. And we have talked a lot about the sort of the positives and the sort of the outcomes of it, but what are the risks to the growth in AI? Um, obviously, we've all seen um, the sort of Hollywood movie style things, but is that a realistic risk, or is there sort of something else in the market that we need to be um, conscious of? I think the I think the risks are are apparent, um, or some of the risks are apparent. I think there are risks. There will definitely be risks that the, the kind of um, unknown unknowns, if you like, um, that. Um, uh, that, that will materialize over the course of the next few years. I think the good, the good news is that there is a conversation going on about um, many of these risks and how they should be mitigated, and that's, that's very important. I do think the regulators have been slow to, to respond to the burgeoning um, of artificially intelligent systems into the economy. I think that, candidly, there are as many brilliant examples of uh, AI looking to address um, persistent in current inequities in the economy as there are examples of AI that looking to you know that will bring its own inequities an example is a company called um, upstart which provides a lending platform in the in the US which is looking to provide credit at affordable rates to parts of the um, the, the population that are t- t- traditionally under underserved and of course traditionally those um, uh, populations that are underserved are not only um, those that earn less money, but partly as a function of that, they tend to be immigrant populations. They tend to be um, ethnic minority populations. Um, and so the opportunity that AI brings to provide a much more objective assessment of, um, of, of creditworthiness in this environment is, is, is very, very important and, and has been a long time coming and hopefully should address some fairly, some very significant um, inequalities in the system. And I should say in America, that really matters because if you don't have access to credit, you you basically can't go to school. So it's not just buying the new big screen tally or the new car. It's your ability to live the American dream through education. And um, and, and I think that's, that, that's misunderstood. So there, there are some great opportunities of AI doing some, some, uh, some, some really interesting things to address um, Problems that humans have failed to solve for themselves for a number of ways, for a number of reasons. The last thing I'll say here is that there there are significantly different approaches to the ethical problems associated with with AI, Um, uh, particularly when um, that's mapped into um, mapped out of abstraction and brought into the world of, of, of regulation, and the regulatory arbitrage that AI is um, uh, is bringing with it is very significant. And so the, the means by which AI is, um, uh, is being regulated in China is very different to the means by which AI has been regulated in the European Union. The Americans have a, have a third, third way. And this is really important. You know, I would argue now that actually, if, if anything, the Chinese have a better and more rigorous and more comprehensive regulatory environment for AI than than anywhere else. Now we might not like it because our particular, you know, uh, Aristotelian philosophical background might think that it's 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 something which we we don't like. We don't we don't like the over the, the overweening access that the uh, the Chinese system might br- might bring to personal data, for example. Um, but you know, when looked at from a Confucian background, actually maybe that's less outlandish outlandish than we than we might than we might think. Um, 
So I think, you know, from a Western perspective, one has to be a little bit careful at slinging too much mud in the direction of others who would look to regulate their um, their, their industries differently, particularly in a world where we haven't got our stuff together yet. You know, at least they are regulating. And anybody who's been invested in Alibaba or Pinduoduo or Baidu or Tencent or uh, JD.com over the course of the last two years will have felt the teeth of those regulations biting very, very hard. But I think we're now in a position whereby we can understand what the regulatory environment looks like and we can invest, we can invest within it. And that usually is a very powerful place to be because we now understand what the rules of the game are. Well, as ever and as expected, Chris, it's been incredibly interesting. Thank you very much for your time today. Not at all. The Sam Lam Artificial Intelligence Fund, as Chris alluded to in this interview, uses AI systems in its fund process to help find companies whose business models are aligned to benefit from the growing world of AI. A particular standout feature of this fund is its ability to look for companies that incorporate artificial intelligence systems into their business models, rather than simply those companies making AI today. To learn more about the Sam Lam Artificial Intelligence Fund and read other thought pieces on the topic of AI, please visit fundcalibered.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast for weekly insights. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 